0: Kia ora koutou. For Eyewitness and RNZ National, I'm Justin Gregory. In this episode, we remember a time that quite a lot of us would probably like to forget. Less than 30 years ago, teachers in New Zealand had the right to physically punish their students for bad behaviour. But as you'll see, some of them were more enthusiastic about it than others.
2: I went to the primary school at the top of my street.
0: This is poet, rapper and author Dominic Hoey, and this poem's about what he calls his awesome education – But hang on a bit, because it's not what you might think.
2: Our teacher was a thick-necked sadist. He carried soft, brutal hands and wore big, wet eyes on his stupid pig face. Yeah. See what I mean? He taught a masterclass in the joys of violence. Spelling mistakes, laughing, being a child, all were answerable with beatings that make any meth bouncer proud. One day, this
0: thick-necked sadist loses control and his beaten victim escapes from the class. Everyone settles back down to work until a man in a red jacket arrives. He wants to know if the teacher hit his son.
2: The man in the red jacket grabbed the teacher by the throat and dragged him from the classroom. We all leapt to our feet, ran to the windows, our sticky fingers pressed to the glass, watching with glee as the man in the red jacket beat the living shit out of our teacher. Kill him! Kick his face off! When the teacher returned, his face was a rotten mess. He never did grow back to his former size. And the man in the red jacket became revered like Jesus or MacGyver.
0: The name of this poem is Kill Him. It recalls one of Dominic's many fond memories of school.
2: I remember one time not spelling something properly and getting kicked in the back, like really hard in the base of my spine. Got thrown across the room by my neck. But yeah, a lot of kids got a lot worse than me as well.
0: Now, no one's saying this was standard behaviour for teachers, but in case you think this all went on in another time and another place, well, think again. Dominic Hoey was at primary school in the 1980s in Auckland. Because until 1990, teachers in New Zealand schools had the right to use what the law called reasonable force to discipline students. Although it'd be tough to describe what Dominic experienced as reasonable force.
2: Yeah, it seemed like, it. even in my young mind, it seemed like an extreme form of violence.
0: Was there ever a time when an instance of corporal punishment helped you when you learning? <laughs> <laughs> nah. And yet, for the longest time, that's what many teachers, loads of parents, and to be fair, quite a few kids felt about corporal punishment. Getting the strap, the cane, a ruler on your bum or on your hand was just an unavoidable hazard of school life. It was a short, sharp shock designed to pull you into line and get you back to work. Never did anyone any harm, did it? I remember we would get our asses paddled if we acted like morons. So we didn't act like morons. These are real memories that flooded in from RNZ listeners, read by actors. And as you can see, some people thought the strap worked wonders, but others didn't agree at all that it helped them to learn.
2: I got a 3 out of 10 for arithmetic and got the strap for it. Scared me off maths forever.
0: At college in the late 80s, there was a weekly report card. And if you were considered poor in two or more classes, you got three whacks with the cane. I got it every week. One time the cane broke on the third stroke and I was given three more for breaking the teacher's favourite cane. There's some who want it each way. I got the cane at school in the 70s. It taught me right from wrong, discipline, respect and consequence. It also taught me that if you're going to do something wrong,
1: make sure you don't get caught. I know I got the strap at school, but I can't remember what for, but I know I deserved it. Mind you, I know a number of people who regularly got the strap, so it clearly didn't work that well.
0: Many thought it was about humiliation rather than discipline. One of my colleagues recalls seeing a student made to drop his pants in front of the entire school before being strapped on his bare bum. The message was clear to everyone. This could be you.
2: I got strapped in front of the class for owning up to talking. Others didn't and got away with it. It was so unfair and humiliating. Our headmaster took sadistic pleasure in strapping kids in front of assembly. My mum gave me permission to walk out of school if it ever happened to me.
0: Some teachers made a mockery of the reasonable force rule.
2: One day in Intermediate, my mate nudged a chair with his foot. It scraped. Mr P leapt from his desk, threw my mate to the floor and kicked him in the ribs.
1: I was an annoying chatterbox. My teacher came up behind me and put his hands around my throat and squeezed, not gently. Then he denied it ever happened to my parents.
0: I had one teacher who said she was going to beat someone around the room, and she did. Māori kids could sometimes get special attention. I had a Pākehā principal who used to pick on the brown kids. He once threw a Māori kid across the room for refusing to answer him. He was a dick. And occasionally, not often, the kids got their own
2: back. My gym teacher used his shoe. I had to stand with my hands on the wall of the gym while he took a run-up. I moved aside, he ran into the wall. Nice. We had a teacher who used a steel ruler on our knuckles. Dad came to school and said if it happened again, he would use it to make it into a popsicle.
0: Corporal punishment had been in state schools since they started in the 1870s. Our model was the British system, the cane came with it, and generations of lucky kids got to feel its education-enhancing effect. But the move to ban corporal punishment has been around since ages ago too. A post-primary teachers' association, or PPTA, was founded in 1952, and it was only three years later that they voted on whether it was okay for prefects to cane younger students. They all decided that it was. 1958, a visiting American psychologist called Dr. David Alsabel got right up everyone's noses when he suggested that bodgies, those teenage terrors of milk bars on motorbikes, were the products of the heavy-handed punishments and overt authoritarianism in our schools. Ill-judged was perhaps the politest response to this, and Dr. Alsabel was told to get on his own bike and get out of town. 1961, the new Crimes Act included a section that would become famous again in the 2000s. Section 59 permitted every parent and every schoolmaster the right to use force by way of correction, quote, if the force is reasonable to the circumstances, end quote. Tell that to Dominic Hoey. But teachers continued to question the cane. In 1964, Cambridge High banned it. Burnside High and Christchurch followed in the mid-1970s. From 1970 onwards, the Department of Education began urging schools to find other options. Otara's Tangaroa College opened in 1976 and they never had corporal punishment there. Detention, suspensions and expulsions were used instead. In 1975, Education Minister Phil Amos, a former teacher, called corporal punishment an abomination. Could its ban be very far away? Yeah, it could. Shona Smith, Shona Hearn as she was then, started her teaching career in the 70s and she went on to be the boss of the PPTA. Back then, most of her colleagues were men and by sheer numbers, they dominated both schools and the ranks of the PPTA and by and large, they wanted the right to cane. Shona didn't, not that it mattered. As a newbie and a woman, she wasn't allowed to punish her students. A senior male teacher did that.
1: I, in fact, did have conversations with, with boys who pretty much openly said to me that I couldn't be as powerful or important or effective as a teacher because I couldn't hit them.
0: There were rules. One, every punishment was supposed to be entered into a log and two, be witnessed by another teacher. That was the rule, if not the practice. Three, most schools didn't cane or strap girls. Just as men had the duty to give the strap, boys had the burden of receiving it. Some boys ran bets with each other to see who could get strapped the most – the majority of us kept our heads down and tried to keep our backsides out of trouble. Shona thought it was all wrong. The sexism, the undermining of her authority, and the reinforcement of an outdated idea of maleness.
1: Might is right. In the end, if there needs to be punishment, it will be physical punishment, and it will come from a man.
0: And that's the only way we can keep discipline in our classes, went the argument, and this view had sincere believers among many good teachers. When there are, Occasions arise when uh, a short, uh, sharp reminder is needed, it is used. This is Sandy Powell, the school principal, from 1985. Say for uh, a lack of respect, acute rudeness, it could be something if a boy uh, has bullied. Peoples would probably uh, prefer to get a smack in their bottom than do tension detention. Nearly, but not quite as many, good teachers disagreed.
1: There are lots of ways whereby a school can develop a climate, whereby discipline is a in a a less overt way than by whacking people.
0: Deputy Principal John Lambert, also from 1985. But every time the PPTA put it to the vote, members opted to keep the cane.
1: We needed um, some kind of ginger group from outside the union. So Gay Simpkin and Ian Mitchell called a meeting, which I went to, um, to set up CAVE, which was Campaign Against Violence in Education.
0: The goal was to persuade teachers, parents and the government that banning the cane was possible and desirable and would result in less violence overall in schools. Cave adopted guerrilla tactics to win their Hearts and Minds campaign.
1: We would uh, get hold of schools' punishment books by probably slightly illicit means and (laughs) analyse them. And of course it showed again and again and again How ineffective corporal punishment was because what you could see was the same kids being caned again and again and again for the same offences. So clearly, corporal punishment wasn't working.
0: Shona and a cave member even went on a midnight raid.
1: Oh, yes, okay. Uh, uh, This is probably uh, the first time I'm confessing this publicly. but I do recall uh, sometime in the 1980s uh, sneaking through the grounds of Auckland Grammar in the dark with a um, very senior member of another school who, when I think about it now, was probably risking his own career, um, and we were sneaking around putting up little stickers uh, saying ban the cane," because we had produced these stickers and we were putting them about, but obviously the schools we really wanted them to be in were the schools where the cane was still being used, and um, and so we did that. But we have, uh, uh, when I think about it now, realised, A, um, what a risk we took, and B, that we'd never get away with it now because the cameras would pick us up. In
0: 1984, Labour's new education minister, Russell Marshall, made it clear he thought corporal punishment's days were done. And at their 1985 AGM, the PPTA voted overwhelmingly to abolish it. The tide looked to have turned. But the government didn't come to the party. Marshall was replaced as Education Minister, and banning corporal punishment seemed to just fall off their to-do list. Then, in 1990, and with an election looming, Labour finally moved to make corporal punishment illegal. And in the House, the debate was fierce. It is specific within the criminal law of this country that there is an exemption from assault for teachers. It didn't do me much good, didn't do me much harm. It did teach me judgment, uh, that that I had to weigh the consequences of what would occur relative to the sin I was
2: about to commit. Violence amongst our young children
0: at school is opposed in every other form. We don't like bullying... We don't like children attacking each other, and yet we commit violence against children. On 23 July 1990, Section 139A of the 1989 Education Act became law, and corporal punishment was no longer allowed to be used by anyone employed by, supervising or in control of a school. It was a big win, but Shona Smith wasn't impressed.
1: Because by that time, we'd already shifted the culture. By that time, almost no schools were using corporal punishment. At that time, Labour was fairly obviously going to lose the election and see that they were probably doing this move in the vain hope that they might scrape up a few more votes from teachers.
0: Yeah, but it didn't work. Labour was crushed in the election, and while the incoming national government pledged to take a look at reintroducing corporal punishment, they didn't do it. Prime Minister Jim Bolger said we were past all that. So are we? Tanya Kelly-Roxborough is a secondary school English teacher in Christchurch. She was strapped when she was at school, and she began teaching in the last year that corporal punishment was still legal. Tanya is enthusiastic about the way teachers deal with bad behaviour now. Schools are much better places, she says, since the strap disappeared. But kids haven't suddenly become angels.
1: I would say generally students are more ready to challenge question and less compliant there certainly is some problems i would say with boundaries that acceptance of of respect because somebody is an authority of you that's not as obvious to me now
0: Shona Smith says the teacher-student relationship has fundamentally changed.
1: Today teaching really is about building those positive relationships, focusing on the learning, helping kids to grow, and we know that they will make mistakes, but it's about helping them learn from those mistakes so they make better decisions next time round. We couldn't even start to do that until corporal punishment was gone.
0: The story was produced by me, Justin Gregory, using archival audio from the Taonga Sound and Vision. The engineers were Rangi Poik and Jeremy Veal. You can subscribe to every Eyewitness podcast at Apple Podcasts or at radioNZ.co.nz forward slash series. And while you're there, please give us a rating. That way more people get to hear about Eyewitness. And if you've got stories you want us to tell, you can email us at eyewitness at radioNZ.co.nz. Matewa.